Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 271 of the podcast. It's the 31st of March, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a first. (laughs) Occasionally, I've had two guests, but this week, I have a wonderful conversation with an entire unschooling family, (laughs) namely the lovely Beck family, Darren and Angie, and their three grown children, Josh, Riley, and Ellie. As you can imagine, the six of us had so much fun chatting and sharing stories that our conversation flowed for about two hours. So I've split it across two episodes. In part one this week, we dive into how Angie discovered unschooling, their experience with an amazing local homeschooling group, and the fun they had connecting with mentors in their community to dive deep into their kids' interests. And Josh, Riley, and Ellie share what they value most about their unschooling lives, including the freedom to really focus on their passions and the self-awareness that comes from being able to make important choices from a young age. It is so fun to hear from the whole family, each with their own unique experiences and perspectives. Next week, I'll share part two of their story. As a personal update, I'm so excited to announce that Roya Dato's new book is out. Connect with Courage, Practical Ways to Release Fear and Find Joy in the Places Your Children Take You. It is published through my small press imprint, Forever Curious Press. We have been working on it for many, many, many months with pandemic interruptions, pregnancy and new baby interruptions, but we made it here. Big congratulations to Roya on getting her first book into the world. And this book is for you if, one, you have kids, and two, your kids have interests, especially if some of those interests don't interest you. Roya is a licensed marriage and family therapist with degrees in counseling and recreation and leisure studies. She's an unschooling mom, and she grew up unschooling. I actually spoke to her on the podcast way back in episode 24, so about five years ago now, about that experience. She has spent the bulk of her academic and professional career learning how recreation, play, leisure, hobbies, interests, and passions impact and are impacted by mental health. She wrote this book because a vast majority of clients she sees have some damaging self-talk about how they or their children spend their leisure time. She has found these thoughts directly impact their sense of self and that of their children. Roya clearly explains why one of the best things you can do for the mental and emotional health of your children is to actively honor their interests. She walks you through many of the emotional and logistical barriers that can get in the way and uses playful yet profound exercises throughout the book. You'll also explore what happens when things go wrong and what it can look like when things go right. By the end of Connect with Courage, you'll understand why wholeheartedly supporting your children's pursuit of their interests and passions is so important, and you'll have some excellent tools to help you do just that. Even better, with Roy's encouragement, you will experience many sweet, funny, and playful moments of connection with your children along the way. 
I really love this book, and if connecting with your kids around their interests is something you find challenging, I think you'll get a lot out of it, both the content and through Roya's wonderful, playful approach. You'll find a link to check out and buy the book in the show notes. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into the first half of my conversation with the Beck family. Welcome, I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with the Beck family. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey. So we were recently introduced by a mutual friend, and I'm so excited to learn more about your family's unschooling journey. I'm so happy that you all could come together in this moment, so I think that's extra special. So to get us started, I thought we'd do maybe just a short round-the-room intro. Who's who, and what's everybody up to right now? Absolutely. I'll go first. I'm Josh. Um, and uh, yeah, right now, um, you know, life's been a little slower since the pandemic hit, but um, we're, uh, we're excited to get ready for springtime. Um, we actually, we've got a garden in our backyard that uh, we're working on expanding out this year. So we're planning that out right now, but um, yeah, just, uh, just enjoying life right now. Sweet. Next hand. I can next. Um, I'm Riley. I am hanging out in the mountains of Idaho right now. Um, we moved out here in October, kind of, um, again, with similar to Josh slowing down in the pandemic, um, realized that we had some extra time in our lives. And so we moved out here and, um, I'm currently teaching ballet at a local dance studio. Sweet. Ellie? Hi, I'm Ellie. Um, I am currently surviving my senior year at KU um, and gearing up to start law school in about three months. Sweet. That keeps you busy too. <laughs> All right. Mom and dad. Hi, I'm Angie. I'm mom. And um, I, we are obviously they're all in different places. We are empty <laughs> nesters now. Um, I actually still work um, kind of in the education area. I um, tutor students with dyslexia and um, I, I do it all online since I was doing it online before the pandemic and obviously through the pandemic still staying online. Um, and yeah, that's keeping me busy. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll round us out. I'm, I'm Darren. I'm dad. Um, we're based here in the Kansas City area where the, the kids were born and raised. And um, I get the, the joy of working remotely for a company called Sustainable Brands. We work with, uh, with companies teaching them how to uh, essentially win through uh, environmental and, and social innovation. 
to, uh, to make the world a better place and find a good way of differentiating themselves in the market too. Well, that's awesome. That sounds awesome. I'm really interested to hear more about what everybody's up to, because I'm sure that's going to weave into our conversation. But to get us started, I would love to hear how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like back then. So I thought maybe we could start with Angie here. Figure you took the lead there. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So when Josh was born, there was a um, mom who was in a play group. Actually, we were at we wound up in a play group together. We were first in a nursing mom support group at the hospital where our babies were born. And she already was talking with a two week old baby. Well, three week old baby that they knew they were going to homeschool, but they were going to homeschool for religious reasons. And I knew that, that we had no interest in that. And so, um, but it kind of planted that seed of, Oh, people homeschool. Okay. So, um, cause I didn't really know anybody that homeschooled growing up. I didn't have any, any kind of background with anybody that homeschooled. And, um, so as the kids got older, Josh was a very busy, busy, busy little boy. <laughs> and, um, I, we just kind of started wondering, you know, where, how this was going to play out. And he did loved, um, we just did the traditional path. He did, three-year-old preschool, loved it, had a great teacher, just played and had fun and made friends. And it was great. And then he started four-year-old preschool. And I didn't realize that four-year-old preschool geared children up to go to kindergarten. And we got a note one day from Josh's four-year-old preschool teacher that he didn't want to do his seat work. And we kind of looked at each other. We were like, we don't work? see the problem in that <laughs> he's four and she's like well you do know that that you know he has to be he's learning how to be in kindergarten here and he has to be able to sit down and do the work in kindergarten and we had talked about you know started kind of a conversation about homeschooling you know maybe that's a good idea started to do some research got a lot of books from the library um at that time i we weren't online i don't think i um, i wasn't I so, online right? i don't think <laughs> maybe um, just a little bit. And, um, and so just started really, really researching things. And then we, um, I think that spring had like the little parent teacher meeting time with the the preschool teacher. And, uh, you know, we we were talking and she asked, you know, kind of what our plans were. And and I said, actually, we're going to homeschool him. And she's like, I think that's a really good idea. And I wasn't sure at that point if she was like, being supportive or being sarcastic or what was going on there. But I think she was being, I think she really did think it was a good idea. Um, And I'll I'll just say, you was sitting there. It was, it was so interesting. Again, four years old, first parent teacher conference. And and I'm, I'm just staring down this, this future, right. Of how many more parent teacher (laughs) conferences are we going to have in in this particular case, you know, Josh is the furthest along and I'm thinking, you know, I, I want him to be a happy little camper, right? And and am I going to have to go through this with Angie every time we sit down with a ki- kindergarten teacher in first grade and second grade? And at a certain point, you know, uh, school in many ways is about conformity. And at what point in time, you know, are they going to start, you know, asking for medication to come into play and all the rest? And for us, you know, I think what we both had, had realized that, uh, that we – They've given us a, a sense, kind of a catalyst for thinking about whether homeschooling might be the path, is that Josh 
could very easily sit down and focus for hours at a time on the things he was interested in, right? So it's it's not that he couldn't yeah. focus. It's just like, well, you know, <laughs> is he interested in what you're at what you're asking him to do? And and we thought, you know, again, school is going to be a constant challenge in that way throughout, right? So are we going to try to force our, our kids into a system that's going to want to kind of just keep them honed in that way? Or might we, you know, take advantage of some of the things we're already seeing as parents, right? Which is that intuitively kid, kids will, will focus in where, where their interests lie, right? And uh, within, I mean, Angie dug into the research and started, you know, checking out some local homeschooling groups. She started bringing books home on a regular basis. So yeah. I'll segue back. <laughs> no, yeah. When, so that, that January before he turned five, so he would have started kindergarten that coming fall. Um, he was still in preschool. I had found a local homeschooling group that was secular and it was the only one in town. Um, and it was just our people. I mean, it was, it was our people. <laughs> and so we joined that and started doing activities, but I was still not really unschooling yet. Um, Cause you know, I just wasn't quite, hadn't made that leap. And um, so I got um, the five in a row books and was like, oh, this would be great. These are great books, great activities, all these things. And we, um, sat down the first day. And at that point, Riley was two and a half and I was pregnant with Ellie. And um, so we sit down and, and we do the first day. We read like, I think it was Make Way for Ducklings and we do the activity and we had a great, great time. And the next day, you know, it's day two, it's five in a row, right? Day two. And we sit down and I get the book and Josh looks at me because we read that book yesterday and he hopped down off the couch and he went over and got his Legos and started playing Legos. <laughs> I was like, what do I do now? <laughs> this, that, that's not how they said this was going to happen. <laughs> and so we, I just kind of kept reading my books and going to my, the homeschooling meetings and met a lot of families at unschooled. And I started seeing families with teenagers, like young teenagers, older teenagers, and they were really interesting people, could carry on conversations, really deep conversations. And it didn't seem to matter. I was noticing that um, when we were at events that the kids weren't age segregating themselves, they were interest segregating themselves. Right, so right. if there was a six-year-old <laughs> who was interested in something that a 14-year-old and maybe a 10-year-old and a 13 year old were doing those older kids didn't say you can't come and hang out with us. Right. They were like, come on, we'll show you what we're doing and let's <laughs> teach you about this. And if you know how to play, then we'll, if it was a, you know, a card game or whatever, then we'll hop on in. And, um, and that was just really like eye opening for me in that it just seemed really like that way, how life should be. It should, you shouldn't be nowhere else. Do we spend time with just the people where who are our same age I mean and so yeah it, so we just kind of followed a path we had um some some people in our lives tell us oh I'm not sure you want to do this and so we kind of I kind of read and we kind of just gave the answer oh we're just going to try this for a year we'll see we'll just kind of and every year it's like well it's still working so we're just going to keep going and then we just never stopped <laughs> 
You know, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll build again. I, I feel like um, the first time I remember unschooling was when Angie had just finished the unschooling handbook and she handed it to me and goes, I think we should try this. <laughs> this seems to be kind of like, what? this really seems to fit a lot of what we value as a family. And and so I, I read it and sure enough, I mean, I, I, I feel like we, we had been going through a process in our life anyways, you know, just new parents. There's just so much new going on that we were opening up to being people who we were growing into, I guess, in, in some ways, right? We were kind of in a, a path of growth and how we look in the world and, and how we wanted to show up in the world. And it seemed to fit that nicely. And what we have always been is very, even, even before we had kids, very family centric. We had just, you know, super loving parents who just, uh, you know, made so much possible for us that family was a kind of the core of our values and principles anyways. So I, I was, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm open to an uncharted path. It certainly was. It was an invitation to take life in a very free flowing way. Um, and, and where I placed my trust. And I think that's, that's the, the, the important part when parents are first thinking about this is I placed my trust in Angie. Cause again, it was, she was really going to be helping to guide the kids through this. I knew that she was one of the most well-researched, thoughtful people I knew, and that she's not going to overlook something. And I, I also knew how much she valued her kids, our kids, right? I mean, that she wasn't going to lead them down a path that she felt like was going to be, wasn't going to be fruitful in some way. And, and I think she's, she's exactly right. We, we decided to give it a go and, and see where it went. And slowly but surely, it continue to go well. And the nice thing about the, 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 the learning, uh, learn, which is the homeschooling group we are part of, uh, stands for let education always remain natural, um, was, uh, was, was so nice to be surrounded by people who, it was eclectic. And we had folks who were doing school at home. We had folks who were on the unschooling path, but you could see other families that were a few steps down the road. And, and again, as Angie mentioned, some with uh, kids who'd entered into their, into their 20s and say, hey, you know, it turned out all right. Yeah. So just that, that validation, I think, was helpful in, in terms of having a support group around us as well. Okay, so I have so many things that I thought were awesome about that. But I want to ask first, so Darren, you went to some of the LEARN meetups? I did. From the very first first one, uh, we, we made that a, a joint venture. And it was fascinating for me. I mean, I, it was my first introduction into, into Mama Power. Um, I, there, there, was, there were guys and, and dads in the room, too. But I would say 80% of the room were the, the homeschooling moms. And uh, wow, you know, just again, to see not only the, the leadership in the room, but I, I started very quickly understanding this was... <laughs> I'm going to get deep here. This is about systems change. It's it's about doing what's right for your family, but taking a risk, to having the courage to step outside of the system, and to and to change it for the people who are the most important in your life. Right? It's it's kind of like there's there's nothing there's nothing more valuable than giving them a great experience and allowing them to become the people that they are destined to be. Uh, and and I think that that really is kind of important to see so many uh, so many moms prepared to kind of make that investment, so many families ready to make that investment and intuitively following who their kids were and building almost a, a custom curriculum, you know, custom education around that for each and every one of the kiddos. And, uh, and for me, it was just, it was, it was amazing to see that this group was 
was going to move mountains. You could just <laughs> feel it in the room. You could feel the empowerment, the nurturing, the enablement that was going on uh, with so many of these folks. And I think what I was kind of you know, smitten by too with the group is um, just, it was a range of free spirits. You would be hard pressed to kind of pinpoint uh, a certain, you know, a certain belief that everyone shared collectively. Uh, that's okay. I mean, for me, I'm just, I'm all about, you know, someone who believes in a path and believes in it enough that they're ready to kind of stand up for it and share it and talk about it. Um, I really value that, right. And the people I kind of surround myself with. So that, that in, in particular resonated with me when I went to, to be a part of that group. And we'd go in like, I think it was every Monday night. And in some ways it's sort of like, again, you're, you're going to have your moments of like, did we choose the right path along the way? And, and Monday night kind of shorted it up with a little bit, bit of validation. And you could do some problem solving with other parents who were like, you know, I woke up this morning. I thought, what about math? Right. And kind of like, what about. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love there's two pieces there, Darren, that really stood out. So first was, was giving that trust to Angie because she had, you know, started down this path and she was doing a whole bunch of research and, and found this group. And I think that is such a, a helpful piece. Because it's not like, you know, yesterday you're doing school at home and the next day you're unschooling and and there you go. It's a journey. It takes a while to bring this into your family and to understand that depth, right? Um, So to give that space to allow things to unfold for a while, to give that trust that I know you have our kids' best interests at heart, you know, I know you're thinking hard about this. Um, and that you're um, just bringing, trusting that they're bringing them their full selves to it, right? I think that is so valuable. And then alongside, you also had that open and curious attitude, which, you know, like you were saying, you've had even before you had kids, that it's, it's what works for us versus what is that traditional path. You're open and curious to see what else works. So that you also dove in and went to the group meetings, right? So that you were also learning alongside. And and even if, like, for me, even if there aren't, like, groups locally that you can go to, there are now, like, online groups. I think finding community so that you have people that you can talk to is really valuable, isn't it? Yeah, it was. I had a chance to grow. And, and shortly after that, you know, so working, I was working with Sprint, the wireless company before that. And uh, part of my work was, again, sort of focused on corporate social responsibility, but we were in the communications group. And very early on, to support that work in the business side, we were going on Facebook and learning about Twitter. This is like 2007, 2008, and trying to get into understand social media leverage up for the company. But what I quickly found is not only was I sort of the green guy over at Sprint, but half my Twitter, half my Twitter feed was the unschooling folks that I found around the country. So I, I very early kind of established, I, I would probably have curated about 800, you know, kind of unschoolers across the country who kind of expanded beyond, again, they were only a subset of our, our local secular group. But um, so I, yeah, very quickly kind of found, I found my niche, found my community as well, even virtually, and got us well beyond Kansas City. I want to go back to what you said a moment ago about trust, because I feel like that's so important. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it in terms of concentric circles, right? The very first part you need to have that trust is with your partner. I mean, if, if, or, you know, I've, I've seen single parents unschool and, and pull it off, but if you have a partner um, it's that other person, you know, giving the, the space to say, yeah, let's give it a try. 
But then beyond that, the next circle out, the next concentric circle out is your family. And, and so my, my mom, um, who I love dearly, is, uh, is a uh, you know, lifetime educator, taught fifth grade for years. Most of the friends in our community we grew up with, you know, teachers, principals, so they're coming, from, they're coming from the educational system that they know and that they work within. What I love is that folks like my mom show up and you know, if, if you were ever blessed enough to have her as your teacher, you would have hit the lottery. I mean, she's, she's the one who kind of brings all that love and the nurture into the system, but still bumps up to the constraints of the system. So I guess that next kind of circle out was sort of like, I, I didn't want the family to feel as if it was um, a, a judgment uh, leveled against them in terms of what they have invested their lives in, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so our decision is not a is not passing judgment on where they're spending their time or how we were raised. <clears throat> and then my 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 father, who spent you know years in the social services side, <clears throat> you know, oftentimes when he heard about homeschooling, in many cases he was the guy who had to come in and kind of pull people out of bad situations, right, where someone was using homeschooling as a cover for, you know, domestic abuse and, and, and neglect and so on. So he didn't have, you know, as, as wide a, an experience with, with homeschooling in, in the more positive sense we had seen too. So that next circle out where, you know, if you can find the grace, if you can find the trust is hopefully with your family. And that's, you know, almost, it seems like the, the entire unschooling journey was kind of navigating that. <clears throat> and then beyond that, the, the final circle are just, you know, the people you bump into every day, the people who see your bumper sticker in the in the grocery store parking lot, the folks who want to kind of quiz the kids as they come along, just kind of just, it's, it's just interesting kind of, you, hopefully you find grace with your with your partner, then hopefully you find grace with the family, and then hope you, hopefully you find grace with the people around you in your community, but you won't always, because what we're doing is pioneering. This is something that's you know, I, I, we weren't the OGs back in the day. You can look even further back into the 60s and 70s for that, but very few of us were even doing it at that time. And what I'm pleasantly seeing is that we're getting some growth and seeing more and more adopt this, but it's still not the norm by any means. Yeah, yeah I love that. I love the idea of the circles and the grace and the trust that you can extend to those people understanding where they're coming from, right? Um I too had educators, you know, in my extended family. And you know what? Often it was because because we aren't judgmental in our choice. This is just our choice. And I love the way you phrased it, Angie. It's like, you know, we're going to try this for a year. Oh, this is still working. We're going to keep trying it. You know, it's not like you guys are wrong. We're right. We're doing this forever. You know, that's that's not the approach, right? Right. So I think that's wonderful. And especially at the beginning, but then, then it's just wonderful. Uh, and so often you keep it, but when you're first learning about unschooling, that's when I think the community um, is really helpful because then you can steep in, in that ethos, really in the families um, and the energy of people who are trying to live the way you're wanting to live, especially in that transition period, right? You can pick up so much more because if you're like still learning and you're spending 95% of your time with people who don't understand what you're doing, it's, it is more challenging at that point. Every time you're like, ooh, 
<laughs> what about math comes up, you say that to anybody else, that, well, put them in school is the answer, right? But when you're in that community and you say, oh, what about math? They talk you through it and they help you realize, you know, maybe where, why that came up for you, other possibilities, you know, they're not judging you for that, but they're going to be able to give you answers that get you that next step towards where you're wanting to walk, right? And they gave us ideas like that. We'd, I don't think I would have thought on my own to check with the local community college when my kids were 14 and mm-hmm. 15 years old, when they're, you know, their thing is that you have to be 16 minimum to start here. Well, no, not mm-hmm. really. They don't, um, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's ways and, and there's a path and there's actually a, a liaison person there that will talk with you about the path. And, um, but it's just things that, yeah, that we just all along the way, I think. And, and I didn't realize when we first started, so in the year 2000, so we have been connected. We still are, have dear friends from this group, even though we're not a part of the, of the active day-to-day group activities. Um, And um, I, had no idea. I just assumed every, cause we're in a suburb of Kansas city. So we're in a pretty major metropolitan area. I just assumed every bigger city in the country, if not other countries would have homeschooling groups like this that were secular based that had a wide variety of types of homeschooling families that were supportive of each other. And, and I found pretty quickly that once I did get online and find like unschooling, I think unschooling.com was one of my first like fat finds online, um, found, you know, um, chat groups and things online and realized that there's a, we were really, really, really lucky to have that group here. Cause it, I mean, we, the, the things we did with that group were just Magical. amazing. I, I'm yeah. just, even to this day, I want to go back and recreate the memories. It's just, I, I long for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we had some really great families that had lots of different interests and skills. And they would, we had a, um, a weekly co-op class where our day of classes the kids could choose from. And I don't think even, even the classes that might seem schooly like biology or things like that, weren't super duper schooly like, <laughs> um, but they had classes like, I mean, like one, one of our, our favorite, one of my favorites, because we, the parents often like took the classes along with the kids. We would, would join in, um, was they the took the, um, this, the Billy Joel song, we didn't start the fire. And they took all of those events in that song and put them on slips of paper. The kids drew, drew them out of a, a hat or something. And, um, and had to research that event and figure out why it was important enough to be added to the song and then come back and tell the group about, you know, what they found out. And it, I thought it was, was so much fun. I don't know. My, my kids may not have, I don't know. <laughs> no, I enjoyed that one. That was, that was a lot of fun. But I mean, there were just lots of really unique things with parents who would jump in and, and offer, you know, things, um, and to kids. share and kids so would lead. Josh was doing yeah. electronics classes for folks and Riley was teaching dance to kids. And this is, you know, everyone can contribute and bring what they're good at, you know, that's kind of. I love that because that's what we see in our unschooling families too, right? It's once you, you get rid of um, 
the compulsory nature, right? It's a choice. And, and once, once you're away from that, it's fun. Like learning is fun. Learning just happens when you're doing the things and everybody's got the things that they're interested in. Right. So all those various things bubble up within our family, bubble up in the larger community. If the community um, is structured that way in, in the sense that like you get to choose, like, I'm really excited about this. I'd be happy to show people, you know, or somebody had the idea about the Billy Joel song. It's like, Oh, we'd like to go dig into this, you know, and the people who find it interesting flock to that. Right. And it's just, it is such a different way of learning, like, because people can say, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have anything structured. We shouldn't be telling our kids anything. But no, we can be excited about things and sharing them, too. And and maybe they say, oh, that's cool, mom. And, and off they go. Or maybe you end up in a 20 minute conversation, diving deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Both ways are OK. But just the energy that that comes with people being excited about the things that they're interested in. And it's exciting to share about the things that we're interested in, right? Yeah, that's so fun. Okay, so I thought now might be a good time to dive into unschooling from the kids' perspectives. I would love to know what stood out for each of you as one of the more valuable aspects of growing up unschooling. So why don't we start with Josh? Yeah, absolutely. So, um you know, for me, as probably as well as a lot of other people who have grown up unschooling, it for me really it is the the freedom to try all sorts of things, to to pursue what you're interested in, um, and the freedom to to be a kid as you're growing up. You know, you you have the opportunity to go run around the backyard and look at bugs, or you know, sit inside and read a book all day if that's what you're interested in, and and really just have um, unlimited opportunities and to, to know that, you know, you could pursue something that you, you find interesting, you get a chance to try it out. But if it's not really something that you're really interested in down the road, that's okay. You know, you tried it out and it's okay that if you want to stop doing that and try something else, you're not, you know, held into, no, this is what you've chosen to do. You've got to stick with it. How are you going to learn if you can't change course, right? It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And adding on to what Josh said as well is like our parents did when he says we were given the opportunity to try what we were interested in. We like were given every every opportunity to try something we were interested in. So like I remember Josh was interested in cake baking at one point, I think. And he was like, we, my mom found, or my dad, I'm not sure who it was, found somebody in the area that was a professional baker and we went to that person's house for like a couple, I don't know how long we did it, but we would go and he would learn how to bake cakes and learn how to roll the fondant and stuff. And that was like a thing for a while. And then it, it shifted to something else and there was this natural flow. But anytime we expressed an interest, our parents would come to us and say, hey, we found these things for you or do you want to try it out? And we were given the option to say, well, actually, that was just a spur of the moment thought. I'm not really that into it. Or, yeah, yeah let's go for it. I really want to try it. Um, but I think, like, the the opportunities were, in, like, endless there within Absolutely. our childhood. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so valuable. The not only the and that's part of the work. Like uh, when parents are newer to unschooling, they're like, "Well, if I'm not helping them with their homework and taking them to school and back, what am I going to be doing?" You're going to be helping them find all the fun ways that they can explore the things that they're interested in. And also doing that with no expectation that they're going to be excited about it and actually say yes. You know, it's just you planted a seed there. There's this possibility in the world. And maybe it's six months or a year later and they go, oh, hey, you remember when you mentioned that? I think I'd like to try that out now. Like there's just so many possibilities when you approach it that way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think of, of Josh's path around sports. I mean, like when he was at Ebit, he were you know, playing basketball and soccer, and that eventually came to, you know, he and I were doing Taekwondo together for a while. And then then the, the nice thing, again, with the kind of the the, the free range that, of, of experiences we're ready to go after, fencing was the next thing he was interested in. So, he, you know, we're working around, around fencing, but what he finally landed on as his true love wound up being parkour and free running. So. Right. It's so fun to look back at the path, isn't it? It is. You can see the connection. So you have, it's really hard to see in the moment. um, Why, but why this interest is, is a thing maybe, but when you look back, you can start to see the threads of things and you start to see yourself kind of unfolding in them. Don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. Okay, so Riley, what about you? Um, I think, well, probably all three of us kids are going to have things that all tie into each other, just as our parents will and just as you will. But um, I think adding on a little bit to what Josh said, as far as like interests and what what we pursued in different moments, I think um, the taught, like we were taught to question things. We were taught to question society we are taught to question ourselves as far as what we want to do every day um just question why things work the way they do um and i think that also brings in like an intuitive aspect to our lives and we all are very intuitive human beings now and know when something feels wrong when something's no longer aligned with who we are and we need to move forward and past it um but i think that that was something there was this awareness that we uh, developed as children that um, that really honed in on this thing that some people spend their whole lives searching for. Um, and we were lucky enough to kind of receive, um, I could say a conditioning, a conditioning in this way to believe in this intuitive way of life um, from when we were very young. So I think that um, that's a huge aspect that I've taken away from unschooling in the path is question everything. (laughs) Always be questioning if this situation is good for you, if this is right for you, if it makes you feel the right way. And then also like tuning into your intuition and you'll, you'll be able to figure that out throughout your questioning. (laughs) My goodness. I love that. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the word awareness, Um, you know, because through that questioning, the self-awareness that develops our understanding of ourselves that we can then bring in to the next time we're questioning something. So, so there's the self-awareness piece, then there's kind of the context piece and understanding the world and the situation. And, and then, and then you're, it's like, how do these mesh together? 
And then the intuition piece, right? Which is, is your inner voice understanding yourself and seeing how they mesh. So that helps you make the choices. And the biggest piece is, and it ties back to what Josh was saying about changing your interests, changing your path when it starts to, you know what, this isn't really feeling good anymore. I'm going to go back to my questions and see if something else might feel a little bit better. Right. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things like um, when the kids were in like organized activities or organized classes and things um, or lessons. Cause Riley and Josh both did um, well, Riley did violin and Josh did fiddle lessons, right? Ellie did art lessons. Um, if they they were welcome to continue that as long as they wanted to, um, but they were never forced to stay in something if they really truly did not, it wasn't working for them. It wasn't just like, oh, well, we've signed up for the season of soccer. So you have to stay in it the entire season when Ellie's going, I don't want to chase that ball around. <laughs> like, okay, well, all right. I quit on the first day. <laughs> for you. So, you know, I'm, we're not going to have to finish this out. And then I don't, you know, a lot of people would question, they would say, well, how are they going to learn to stick with something they don't want to do? Um, the other thing was, how are they ever going to learn to get up for a job if they, if you don't make them get up at a certain time and every (laughs) single one of them has had no issue whatsoever getting up for anything that they put value on. And for, if they had a reason to do it, they all could get up at the crack of dawn and go do whatever it is they need to go do. Um, so even the days growing up didn't start before yeah, 10 in the morning yeah. <laughs> at, at the earliest yeah and and it may be that you know they may not enjoy getting up at 6 a.m and going to do it but they know that that's going to get them to their end goal of whatever and um, they have to do that step to get to whatever like ellie wants to become a lawyer well you don't become a lawyer without going to college and then going to law school and doing the things you are, you know, the steps you have to go through to get that certification and degree. So if that means that, you know, she has to take an early class, which she's been fortunate not to have to do too often. <laughs> I avoid it whenever possible, but uh, I am a morning person, so. <laughs> right. But I think um, just that uh, allowing them the ability to say, this isn't working for me. I don't want to continue it. I want to try something different and letting them do that was important. I wanted to pop back to what you said about, you know, people saying like when you, when you let them quit something and, you know, and saying, well, how are they ever going to learn how to stick it out for something? But no, what, how they're going to learn that is by finding the things they love so much that they're going to stick it out because they love it. This exploration is about finding the things that they love, right? So even if there's money involved, you know, it's, I found it really helpful and easy to frame it as what I, what we learned with that money is that they really don't like this thing. (laughs) And that was worth it. Like right there, we, we know this, right. And my friend Anna (laughs) likes to talk about it as a sunk cost, right. You know, that, that money is gone. And why do I want to use my money to make my child miserable by forcing them to finish the soccer season or finish the swimming lessons or 
whatever it is, like, let's use this money to realize, oh, hey, look what we learned from this situation, right? And what you want to find are those things that the kids love so much that you can't stop them. <laughs> they are like heads down at it all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Our, we have a good friend, and um, she was actually one of the the two ladies that started the homeschooling group. Learn um, her her like phrase or mantra, whatever it was like, you know, find what it is that gets you out of bed in the morning. Right. You know, take explore lots and lots of things, and then find what it is that gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you want to get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's the other lovely thing with unschooling we find. Foundationally, this is what works for human beings. So, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning works no matter your age, right? Yeah, I love that. All right. So, Ellie, let's move on to you. What stands out for you as one of the more valuable aspects of growing up unschooling? Yeah, so I want to echo what both Josh and Riley said. So with Josh, the um, ability or like the opportunity to really explore what we wanted to do, like I can think of a million different times that my parents threw resources at me when I expressed an interest. Like my mom said I did art lessons for a long time. Well, I took one art class that was a very formal art class and the instructor wanted you to exactly replicate the picture that she had. And I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. I wasn't going to just paint a random picture. Um, So I quit that art class and she found me a new art instructor who I instantly clicked with and spent the next eight years studying under her and massively developed my like knowledge and skills as an artist. But also like one time I, well, I'd always been very interested in cooking. Like that's always been something that's been a deep interest of mine. So my parents got me um, lessons at the Kansas City Culinary Arts Center that we would all go as like I don't know, we were maybe 12, um, to the farmer's market every Saturday. And then we'd go back to the kitchen and the instructors would teach us what to make with the things that we had just found at the farmer's market. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is that my parents, um, one time my uh, cousin is a pastry chef and she does these amazing sugar cookies that are like gorgeous pieces of artwork, right? And so I think, was I 13, 14? I think I might've been 14. 13, I think, yeah. My parents flew me to Boston to go stay with my pastry chef cousin for a weekend, and she taught me how to make these sugar cookies, and I came home and made it a Midwest business and um, spent the next, I mean, still to this day, I sell those sugar cookies and have made, you know, enough money to fund travels that I wanted to go do and everything, and that was just from them sending me on a trip to Boston to learn what I wanted to learn, so I think that has been, you know, invaluable. Um But also what Riley said, like, I think each of us have a really deep self-awareness that I know, at least for me, people have mentioned before throughout my my life at different times. Like, wow, you are a very um, self-aware little child. (laughs) Um, But I think that that really does come from just every at every instance thinking, like, is this right for me? Do I want to continue this? Um, But I think another thing that I would add for something that has been really valuable to me or for me about unschooling, um, it's just the lack of limitations, right? Nobody's telling you, you can't do this because you're not at that grade level yet. Like you can't do this because you didn't do, you know, this one step that we have randomly deemed necessary as a prerequisite to this next um, adventure. So um, even just for me, like I was a bookworm as a kid, I 
never had my face out of the book. <laughs> um, and so I was never told like, oh, you can't read these things because that's like, you know, an eighth grade reading level and you're at a sixth or anything like that. So that just really helped me as I moved on to, um, you know, start community college at 15 and go to KU as a with like sophomore junior level credits at 18. And now I'm about to start law school and I'm 20 years old. So just not being limited has really, really served me in my life. I love that. I love that because when moving to unschooling, one of the big things is age just kind of fades away, like alongside grades, right? You know, we're not tracking what grade we're in and what bubbles up is the interest. And how you want to pursue it. it. It doesn't have, like, you don't need those limits. And I found there were times where my kids wanted to do something and it would be out of the ordinary for a child of that age or for a child, you know, or whatever. And so I was just kind of connecting ahead of time with, you know, maybe someone who was running that class and, and just saying, hey, you know, my kid's interested in this. Uh, you know, is that okay? Can we make that work? And nine times out of 10, especially when we're following our interests and we're diving into stuff we're interested in, the people who are teaching that stuff are interested in it too. So for them, it's like, hey, yeah, if they're interested, we'd love to have them. So I didn't really find a lot of issues um, or, or artificial limits on what my kids wanted to do. But you had to just have that mindset that, you know what, I'm going to ask. Because, yeah, in the book, it may see, say ages 16 and up or something like that. But taking that that extra step to talk ahead, have, did you guys find that, Angie? Yeah, each one of them actually has has had that experience. Um, Josh was has always, always been super interested in anything with wheels and an engine, especially motorcycles. And um, so when he was like, what, 13, 13, um, our local community college would have, I think they still do. I'm not sure. They would have like these Saturdays where they would offer just unique, not normal, just like like a, a one hour class. And you could sign up, the community could sign up for different classes. And so one of them was the history of motorcycles. So Darren and Josh signed up, they went, they were like the two people in the class. And so they really connected with the instructor. Go bro. <laughs> you still remember his name. Okay. And um, I, I believe he was actually the Dean of the automotive department at the time. Yeah. Why don't you tell the story, Josh? Why don't you tell what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So we went to the class and um, you know, like mom said, we were probably the only two people there. It was a very small group. So we got a lot of one-on-one time with um, Bill Brown, who was teaching the class. And, um, you know, I think after the class was done, um, we stayed and just talked a little bit. And and I think, you know, dad, you brought up that, Hey, um, Josh is really interested in this stuff. You know, what would maybe be some more resources that we could look into to learn more about this. And um, to, to our luck, he said, well, you know, on Wednesday nights out at my big garage out here uh, at my house, uh, I've got a group of people that come together and they all work on their motorcycles together. And, you know, he had a collection of probably 20 odd old motorcycles that he kept there. And he said, why don't you guys come by sometime and check it out? You know, just just come on by and, and just we'd be happy to have you come over and hang out and it was a group of people who some people kept their projects at his house. Some people would just come over and hang out with the group for the night. And, um, 
learned a lot going to those. And actually, eventually down the road, when I had a, a project of my own that we ran into some issues with, we took it out there. And, and from the collective group, we were able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you should look into this being the problem, you know. And then I think that ended up fixing it. Um, but, yeah, that was an amazing an amazing resource that I, I really think kind of launched me to, to where I'm at now with, with the job that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. Reaching out to people and saying, Hey, you know, what, what, what would be something that is uh, that we could do um, to get them more into this? And I think that all, it never hurts. Um, and it opens up some amazing doors too. So I think we're going to continue to go with the flow Josh has set for us here and, and go back to the limitations question. Anna. I, I think that there's another limitation that uh, parents on an unschooling path can run into or folks who are thinking about it, right? Which is as a parent, I have limitations. I don't know how to teach somebody something like this. What if, you know, so Josh, right? Uh, at that same time, <laughs> we skipped a generation. My, my dad is all into, again, you know, things with motor and wheels too, but I can I can swap out a radiator on a van to save me some money. I can do about anything YouTube teaches me how to do. It's just not my passion. And and so it was great to be able to connect with Bill. But then about that same age, you know, Josh is learning. He's wanting, like, Dad, I'd like to learn how to weld. And I'm thinking, all right, well, all the Votech classes at the high schools, they're not even starting it at 13 yet. You know, Bill had made it pretty clear that he can't take a 13-year-old into community college quite yet. So I kept thinking, all right, now how do I do this? I don't know how to weld. I don't have the you know equipment in the garage, but fortunately through that group that we, one thing leads to another through that group that we'd go over and hang out with on Wednesday nights for motorcycles, we got to meet Bernie and Bernie is a, uh, at the time he was, he was essentially taking care of all the, uh, the maintenance and repairs for uh, a number of apartment complexes by day. But by night he was a mad scientist. He was welding together, you know, a, a whole motorcycle frame around a diesel, uh, a diesel generator. So the diesel generator, you get, and it was what was starting up the cycle. I don't think he could get more than about 55, maybe you could press 60 down the highway, but he made it work. So he was just fabricating all sorts of stuff in his garage at home. So my, my you know, question to, to Bernie was, Hey, what about, you know, Tuesday nights? What if I pop for pizza and Josh and I come out to your place and uh, you teach him how to weld. And Angie and I found this book that was something like, you know, uh, cycles, you know, trikes and spinners, and spinners or, or yeah. like the mad scientist. And, and essentially he picked a project out which would take a kid's bike, chop it up and then turn it back into essentially like a big wheel on caster wheels. So you keep <laughs> the front tire and caster wheels in the back. But that became like an eight week project where we go week after week because I didn't know how to weld. I didn't have the facilities, but Bernie did. And he liked Josh and he was a bit of a, an educator and teacher at heart. And he liked the pizza. <laughs> Never <laughs> hurts. <laughs> you just get creative. I think that's the, the, the thing you need to lean into as a parent is no, we all have limitations. I don't know how to, you know, kind of tell Riley as she was going through her dance career, how to sharpen up what she needed to do to get that next level. But you, you go out and you curate within your community, whether it's neighbors, friends, family members, Folks, you know, you're meeting through the local education system. Frankly, you, you, you uncover or turn over about every rock you can to find somebody out there probably knows it and probably is interested in sharing that information. And, and as long as you kind of coordinate it with them and, and kind of keep a, a careful eye on those relationships. Um, yeah, you can you can you can put your kids in touch with folks who are um, more than happy to share some of that information and knowledge with them. 
for me, that ended up being like the most fun yeah. aspect yeah. of unschooling. Like I could be super creative. I could look for all those little rocks. You know, I would have so much fun searching around and then like excitedly running to one of my kids. Oh, I found this if you're interested in that. Or this is coming up next month. Are you interested in that? And again, no, it's fine. But that was like just that open and curious. And I wonder what's out there. And I wonder if they'd be interested in this Um, and finding just all those little bits because the world is big and the world is fun. Right. So to be creatively finding all these little pieces that just make our world bigger, even if their interest is is something online. You know, you can still find new and fascinating things online and make that world bigger as well. It doesn't literally need to be getting out of the house all of the time just to make that for some families who are saying our interests aren't that way. You know what I mean? Well, you- like Ellie said, she spent lots and lots and lots of time with her nose in a book, reading a book, up in a tree, reading a book. And, you know, it, <laughs> and that, that's fine too. There's no, and it's okay that maybe you do, you know, you just follow what works. Some days we were home all day and other days we were gone all day. And <clears throat> excuse me, it just, it just kind of flows and, and yeah. when, yeah, it, when you don't, you're not trying to fit it into a, well, the curriculum says we're supposed to be doing this today, you know, then life just kind of happens. And one of the things I've like, I've used as an example when I've talked to people about unschooling is like, because I grew up in public school, I went to public school all the way through. And, um, and it was like, our life was quite, I compare it to my Saturdays when I was a kid growing up, it was like, I mean, yeah, there's times, yes, there's things we have to do. We go to the dentist. We have to, there's certain things we have to do that, you know, or, you know, one of them has something that they are, have to go to. And there's one driver, me, and there's two other kids that are too young to be left home alone. So we all go to something, you know, but, but it, it just, it just, that's how it was. I mean, like it's every day was different. It seemed. Yeah. You can still bring a book when you need to go out. Right. Ellie. Yeah, you definitely and a can. lot of times there, you know, Josh's the thing that Josh was at had other of his homeschooling friends who had younger siblings who were Riley and Ellie's age. And so, it, yeah, it all kind of, you know, usually worked out, but Ellie, I think Ellie got dragged around the most because, you know, she was the youngest. So <laughs> It did. I do want to add one thing about like um, just the turning over rocks. Like it wasn't even just the parents that had to do it. Right. So I feel like I, we all kind of got a crash course on networking as children, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but now me as a college student who, you know, just went through the law school application process and for the past two years has needed to find, you know, mentors and people to help explain the LSAT, some people to help explain, like, how do I know what I want in a law school, like all of these things, I naturally knew how to network and find the people that I needed, because I'd been doing that my whole life. I love that, Ellie, you know, because I hadn't actually thought of it that way. But when I think about my kids quickly, absolutely, you know, they, you know, my, my photographer daughter is building that network and building it on kind of both coasts. And she's in the US now with that. 
and my son in filming and he's building that network. And even um, my son who's, you know, doing game development and stuff, but the, the network that he knows online, the people and connections, like where he knows to find the answer. Like, and the people that he bring when we're sharing stuff, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you, like he pulls, it's just mind boggling to me how fast he finds and he finds just the right thing, you know? So that really, I love that point, Ellie. That was really cool. <laughs> and also I think teaching, we, we taught our kids how to learn. We didn't teach them what to learn, but we taught them how to learn. And so when they did decide they wanted to, Ellie, I think it was Ellie wanted to do a formal math for a while. We weren't telling her she had to do formal math, but then it's like, okay, well, how do you want to learn it? Like, here's different ways, different programs to help you learn math. What, what seems to a good fit for you? And she was able to, to kind of find the one that she wanted to use. And so, yeah, so we had a lot of questions from people about, well, how will they learn what, you know, fill in the blank. And it's like, well, we're teaching them how to learn so that when that's important and they need to know it, they'll know where to go and how to, to do that. It's, you know, it's not that we're saying you can't do anything that looks like school because they absolutely did sometimes choose to do that, but it was their choice to do that and not us saying, this is what you have to do. I mean, and it's an entirely different experience when you're choosing. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're there to get what you want out of it, which may look different than maybe a teacher's expecting you to get out of it or whatever. Uh, But that self-awareness piece that we were talking about earlier, right? We bring that with us into all situations. We don't just all of a sudden choose something that's a formal learning environment and say, well, I have to leave the rest of me at the door now because now I'm here. No, you're bringing your whole self in there. And, and because you know how to learn the way that you like to learn, right? Because people learn differently. So you pull in those resources the way they work for you. I love that piece. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.